so scared. I wish I had a ham sandwich to calm my nerves. <laughs> we gotta like, find a place to hide. Where you going, fuzzy face? Back to the 80s. <laughs> That's what I was afraid of. Oh, wait for me. Oh, that's right. It's Friday, ladies and gentlemen, and this is the one and only Back to the 80s Radio. Just got on a chain coming to you every single Friday on the show that brings back the whole 80s to a new generation by sharing the memories and the experiences that we all share during the decade that we all loved. I want to encourage you guys to share your experiences with us through our Facebook page. So go ahead and head on over there whenever you want and, and let us know if you have anything that you'd like for us to cover on a show. With me today, ladies and gentlemen, as he is every single Friday, is a man that has served more Facebook jail time than Donald Trump himself. He has been seen cruising the Sunset Strip in a Chevy Nova wearing only a Los Angeles Lakers beanie. Here on Back to the 80s, we call him the Chang. Oh, yes. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Changettes and Chang dudes, it is I, the Chang. I am sitting beside the greatest Italian since Chef Boyardee, my boy, my partner, my driver, my partner in crime, my right hand man, my left shoe. There you go. Toscano. Toscano, I want to tell you from the bottom of my black soul, it <laughs> is Changtastic. To be here today, we want to welcome all of you back to the 80s, even you that never even were in the 80s, but maybe you were procreated after. Maybe you may be a little bit older. You're from the 70s. You want to talk about Motown, whatever. Welcome to the show. We're going to be taking it back today. We are going to be talking about 1985, the middle of the decade. And it seemed that for a lot of us, it seemed like nothing was impossible that you could conquer the world. Nothing seemed to be able to hurt you, harm you, or to touch you. You know, you remember there's a point that we all thought we were invincible back then. The mindset of anyone growing up in 1985 felt like we were a superhero of some kind, of a, somebody like a bionic woman uh, or a bionic man. We were invincible. We could, uh, we would endure anything. We were like, as Bruce Lee would say, water is the strongest element in life. It can replenish you, destroy you. It could corrode any other type of material. Be like water, my friend. That is definitely pretty deep, my friend. Mm, isn't it? Well, you know what? Before we kick off the show and talk about 1985, 
There are two news articles that I wanted to kind of talk about because although it is news from today, uh, a lot of that has a little bit of the 80s there with you. There's a very famous singer that exudes the word American for a lot of people. And he, as a matter of fact, was seen in a Jeep commercial at the Super Bowl this year. Oh, my goodness. I know who you're talking about. Aunt Nancy is going to get upset with what you're talking about. Unfortunately, unfortunately, Bruce Springsteen's Super Bowl ad for Jeep calling for the country to unite has been pulled after news surfaced that the boss himself is facing drunk driving charges. So apparently his blood alcohol content was 0.02, which is less than New Jersey's legal limit of 0.08. What's the big deal? According to the reports, he was consuming alcohol in closed areas. He was also cited for driving while intoxicated, reckless driving. And, you know, he may have had a drink in his hand or two. Now, first of all, he was not the boss that evening. Obviously, the police department were the bosses. I ask our listeners and you, if anybody knows, was he driving that Jeep? That he was in the commercial with? I don't know if he was driving the Jeep or not. Get him a lawyer. Now, of course, I'm going to make fun of this and I'm going to have a a changerific time with this. But uh, it is a very serious topic as you bring it up. Uh, And it doesn't really matter uh, what uh, area, state or uh, laws you may go by. The bottom line is don't drink and drive. You have to stay alive. Uh, you're not only putting yourself in danger or harm, but uh, other drivers, pedestrians, uh, your own family. Uh, everybody pays with every action that we as individuals partake in. Uh, now, I've lost uh, a few friends of mine uh, due to uh, intoxication behind uh, the wheel or, of a, or a motorized vehicle. Uh, I, in fact, lost my best friend. Uh, at the age of 19 due to intoxicating driving. Uh, Now, uh, we believe that uh, the driver that struck him in the van, he was on his motorcycle. He was rather intoxicated. Uh, That the driver of the van was also intoxicated and did not uh, go to the police, but it was a hit and run because she herself was was hammered. You know, as, as young people, we all go out there and we test the grounds of life, correct? Yeah. Test the bounds. What can we get get away with? I'm not going to lie. Of course, you you know I'm not. I'm going to give it to you straight from the hip. As a young person, I did get hammered and drive by the grace of the great spirit. uh, Maybe because there was a quest or something I was supposed to do. I was unscathed. I was never in an accident. I didn't hurt anyone. I never had a uh, an arrest or a criminal record. I uh, never fell to the weakness of addiction, but I tested the waters. And as a father, grandfather now, a man of uh, my age and what I believe in, and knowing that I've lost loved ones, uh, drinking and driving, it doesn't matter. You just don't do it. Yeah, and unfortunately, we have somebody who is in the eye of the public. There's going to be most people that are going to understand the situation, circumstances, because more than one person out there has been caught in the same, and everybody is afforded mistakes. Unfortunately, when you're in the eye of the public, it doesn't seem that they are afforded many, many of these mistakes. But uh, another piece of news came out today. Something related to the 80s was anything that has to do with Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back, you know, Return of the Jedi thing. There's a new TV show on Apple 
TV called The Mandalorian, which is an absolute huge, huge success. Well, one of the actresses that stars in the show, her name is Gina Carano, who starred as the unassailable warrior Cara Dune in the same show, is no longer going to be appearing in any future Star Wars projects after she offensively shared some social media posts, including one that compared Nazi Germany to the current political landscape. And unfortunately, Lucasfilm fired Carano on Wednesday, calling the social media posts she made that day abhorrent. Not only did she make those kinds of posts, but she also said things that had to do with making fun of the the masks mandate. Nevertheless, Carano was also dropped by her United Talent Agency on Wednesday as well. So, I mean, she, I don't know. Did she throw her entire career away? You know, you know time will only tell. It kind of looks that way. Now, I believe, is this not the, the girl that was a martial artist? Yes, she's a big-boned girl. She's a very big-boned girl. She also came out in Deadpool, and she's the the girl who fights against Deadpool. And she's right. she's got superpowers as well. I mean, she's a very pretty lady, but she's very big-boned. I'm not going to say she's overweight. She's literally big-boned. She's, yeah. she's like an Amazonian. It, it, it would kind of fall into the words of a Jethro Tall song, and let me sing it. She's as thick... As a brick, <laughs> I know who she is. I, I, I'm a, I was a fan of her movies. I, I like her. I think she's attractive. I think she can kick some major ass. I, you know, it's a shame that uh, she let her political views and beliefs get in the way of her career. Exactly. And I think that's something that we see uh, at the forefront now. And, and, and going back to your first story, and that's why uh, uh, the boss is in the news over this. Right. You know, you become a celebrity. You, I kind of are handed uh, the type of role model stature that comes with that. And I think that's why when we see our entertainers living normal lives, we have a lot of speculation and letdown and controversy. Everybody forgets they're just regular people like you and me, but they just do something different for a living. Possibly the show may hurt from that, don't you? Um, I don't know at this point. No, I think Mandalorian is going to be just fine without her. Uh, she was a, a great addition to the show, but the show is going to be – it's not like they, the main star mm-hmm. was was caught. Then I think the program would be hurt. This is Back to the 80s. When we come back, we're going to take a short identifier break. When we come back, we're back at it. Talking about the year 1985, so don't go away. You're listening to Back to the 80s. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, Matey's fans. I have been expecting you. You no longer need to listen to any other podcast. You want the 80s, don't you? The longing for it is swelling in you now. 
feel the memories coming to you and listen to Back to the 80s. Give in to nostalgia. With each passing moment, you make yourself more of an 80s fan. It is unavoidable. It is your destiny. You don't know the power of Back to the 80s. You, like your childhood, are now mine. <laughs> Welcome back to Back to the 80s, and this is Chang from the stupendous Toscano and Chang. We were talking off air right now, and I was referred to as an angry chihuahua. <laughs> no, no, no. Nobody, nobody ever said you were an angry chihuahua. Nobody. I just merely <laughs> pointed out after a comment that you made during the break where you right. mentioned something that you would be willing to go a couple of, of uh, let's say, erotic rounds with mm-hmm. Gina Carano. Mm-hmm. And I just said that, you know, looking at her, she is like a, an Amazonian, you know, lady. She's like a, a Brahma bull. Right. And, you know, it's like mating a Brahma bull with a chihuahua. But then I corrected it. I corrected it and I said more like a greyhound. Yeah. Okay. And I said more like a Jack Russell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. To, to which I said that anything I think that a Brahma bull touches is going to get hurt. Anyway, <laughs> this is Back to the yeah. 80s. We're back at it, talking Ooh. about 1985, the middle of the decade. And we're going to be starting it off with an event that made sports history. And that event was WrestleMania, which, by the way, sold out Madison Square Gardens. And one million people throughout the United States saw the event. They saw oh, Hulk yes. Hogan with Mr. T versus Paul Orndorff and Roddy Rowdy Piper. Uh, he was my favorite. Yep. Also, Big John Studd against oh. Andre the Giant. Do you remember the two giants? Oh, dude. Yeah. You know, I was not a very big wrestling fan, but I did enjoy uh, watching some of the, the matches. I am uh, familiar with a lot of the famous wrestlers. I don't, I've told you before, my my most favorite is the Ultimate Warrior. I, I was like... Yeah, I remember you that saying dude that. was bad. And the Hart Brothers. I mean... I liked all the long-haired cats, bro, for some reason. Right. <laughs> yeah, so that was one of the biggest events. I actually, my, I actually convinced my dad. We were at the Long Beach Convention Center, and I convinced my dad to pay us some tickets and get me into the convention center to watch uh, WrestleMania, which was shown through Closed Circuit TV. And I will never forget, my dad paid $13 per ticket to watch wow. A screen. That's a deal then. <laughs> so I actually got to see WrestleMania live at the sports arena in Long Beach, but through wow. uh, closed circuit TV. So it was it was a lot Dude, of fun. It was a lot of fun. That is pretty cool, man. That's pretty cool of your dad to do that for you. Yeah, because in my case, you know, my kids would have said, you know, can we go watch? Uh, can we go watch uh, this event on the on a big screen? And it's going to be at today's prices, I don't know, $200 a piece. <laughs> I'm going to exactly, say, brother. you know what? No, no, you can watch it from home when it comes out on Netflix or whatever. I was actually yeah. going to say when it comes out on tape. Well, shoot, look at pay-per-view for all these events, bro. It skyrocketed. 
That's crazy. It's crazy how they made uh, this business of of live events got so huge. Yeah. Jumping on to April 23rd, Coca-Cola Company launched New Coke. Is this a private party or can any store crash? So New Coke is catching on. The taste is better and newer than... You said the P word. So what I want to know is, if you're drinking Coke, who's drinking Pepsi? If you can't beat it, catch the way. Coke. Oh, that was crap. Unfortunately, three months later in July... Coke returned to the original formula by popular demand, or I should yeah. say by unrest, because people hated it. Oh, dude, I hated that crap. Now, I don't it, think it, I ever tasted New Coke. They, You know, they, they still sold New Coke until 2002? Yes, I, I, uh, I am aware of that. I remember seeing that, and I would be like, I, I saw that, and I was like, I can't believe that people would actually still buy this crap. I remember when Coca-Cola did that. Was it like a taste similar to Coke Zero or a Diet Coke or something like that? You know what? I would say it was probably like Coke Zero, uh, thinking back. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was something like that. But, I mean, it was just – you could just taste the difference. Now – you ever go down and you go to a store and you buy the new Coca-Cola in the bottle, but it's the one that is bottled in Mexico? Yeah, which tastes you, so much better. You get that that different taste as opposed to the ones that are bought here in the plastic container of the can, correct? Correct. So I would say the new Coca-Cola and Coke Zero are probably the similarity, just as it was back then when they made uh. new Coca-Cola. Well, that would make sense. They're just rebranding New Coke or that same formula yeah. and just calling it Coke Zero. And then people are. Yeah, I mean, you still got stuff in those vat tanks, bro. So you might as well use that crap up and sell it to the fools. <laughs> I mean, you know what's funny? My grandfather uh, worked for Coca Cola for 35 years. So uh, I used to frequently go to the Coca-Cola plant off of Olympic in Los Angeles that was uh, built, shaped as a ship. And there was uh, two huge Coca-Cola bottles really? in front uh, of the building. Oh, I don't remember that. I remember them having like a giant Coke bottle outside, but it was with neon lights. So I'm mm, not sure no, if that was way was, after. Uh, two uh, structures that were made out of glass, actual uh, huge size Coke bottles. That was probably the, uh, I'd say, oh, geez, 60s, late 60s, early 70s. You know, my grandfather retired, I believe, in eighty. Yeah, uh, from Coca-Cola. Yeah. I I took the Pepsi challenge. I always pick Coke. I couldn't tell the difference at first, you know, not till I got older where I actually could taste a little bit of the difference. But as a kid, I always used to have Pepsi more than Coke, but it was yeah. whatever was around. If I had Coke, it was the same thing to me. I remember, you know, going to any fast food place. I never said, give me a Pepsi. I always said, give me a Coke. How about RC? RC Cola, which th- they still sell today and they sell them what at the yes, 99 cent stores? Yes. Yeah, I remember RC Cola. Nothing beats a jolt. Nothing, my friend, will beat a jolt cola. Double the sugar, twice the caffeine. It literally says it on the can. Oh, dude. 
I remember drinking Jolt Cola and it was like, whoa, man, who needs to buy illegal drugs when you could just buy a six pack of this and just go? <laughs> right, right. Do you well, remember when we were uh, doing the Toscano and Chang show and we were drinking our Jolt Colas? Yes, yes. They, we have a store nearby. We have one of those. Uh, it's not Bevmo. It's, I don't know, is it a Bevmo? It's one I of those think stores. So. We sent uh, Manboy to get them. For yes, us. yes. Uh, we we had uh, two Jolt Colas, mm. and they were just as good as they've always been. All right, jumping over to July thirteenth of nineteen eighty five, the music industry hosted simultaneous concerts as an ongoing relief for the famine issue they were having in Ethiopia. One of the most famous concert events of all time. Live Aid. And it was so fantastic because Live Aid was going on simultaneously in England at Wembley Stadium, and it was also going on here in the United States. Yep. And check this fun fact out. There was one of the artists that played at Wembley Stadium, got on the Concord in England after doing his set, and arrived in Philadelphia to do his second set at JFK. Do you know who that artist was? You know what? At the moment, I do not know. None other than Phil Collins himself. Oh, <laughs> it's a Phil Collins. It's well, odd that you bring up Phil Collins, but you it's its just rightfully so, because Phil Collins yes. was a musical sensation back in the 80s, uh, former drummer and uh, later to be lead singer of Genesis after the departure of Peter Gabriel. Yeah. Uh, then uh, Phil got a little bit... Uh, Gerber babied out and oh, uh, my left gosh. Genesis to partake in his own solo career. Yeah. In which now on social media, uh, you I'm sure a lot of people have seen that Phil Collins is battling with his ex-drummer of the Phil Collins group, uh, blaming him for, for uh, certain failures uh, within that stream of time with him. The funny thing about Phil Collins is he looks like the Gerber baby all grown up. <laughs> you know, once he made that uh, that song, take a look at yourself. I was you mean like, take a I'm look at me now? You. You're like the you're like Michael Bolton, you know? No, you're you like can't Mark compare. Phil Collins is you know? a genius. Look, Phil Collins is one of the greatest artists of all time. Almost every song on every single album he's ever come out with have been hits. They've been played on the radio. How many artists can say that? Hey, wait a minute. I think uh, the hotline is. You have the hotline on on mute. I see the button going. Uh, let's see. Uh, let's answer the phone, phone here. Call. Let's see. This back to the eighties. Man, this is Dick Hater. Man, I hate Phil Collins. You know what? God damn you guys! I hate that you are praising Phil Collins. I hate Phil Collins. I hate his hair. I hate his complaining. I hate it when he made that solo song. Now, Dick, tell me this hate for Phil Collins comes why? Give me a good reason. Well, I'm going to give you 10 good reasons why I hate Phil Collins, okay? First one is, he looks like the goddamn Gerber baby. And I hate that. You're a grown-ass man. Shave that head. If if you want to look like Friar Tuck, do it on your own time. Don't sing to me about sweet songs or play Abacab and look like a goddamn pamper baby. Now, you want reason number two why I hate Phil Collins. I 
got them damn glasses where he looked like John Denver. You don't look like John Denver. You look like the Gerber baby with John Denver glasses. Number three, why I hate Bill Collins. Well, no. uh, do you have maybe one more? I don't think we have time to go all through through all ten. I hate that Phil Collins took over Genesis. Peter Gabriel, I'm out. Listen to Back to the Eighties. Just got to check. I hate him. Bye. Dick Hader, ladies and gentlemen, I see a lot of resemblance between Dick Hader and the way you express yourself sometimes about artists, Chang. Uh, you know what? Sometimes I'm afraid that uh, I may take a Dick Hader pill, and I don't know who slips them into the studio, but every now and then I feel a little Dick Hader in me. September 1st of 1985, a very famous ship was found off the coast of Newfoundland. The Titanic was found. Really? And in that same month, the month of September, now, going totally the opposite direction, Dee Snyder, lead singer of Twisted Sister, yes, testified before the U.S. Senate trying to defend music censorship. Now, thanks to the move of the all-powerful government wives, they pushed to get ratings on albums, just like movies were rated. And originally, they had invited Snyder kind of to, to embarrass him. They thought, oh, this guy's a fool. He's going to embarrass himself and basically prove our point to state that this music makes you dumb, et cetera, et cetera. Right. But they had no idea the eloquence in Snyder's testimony because he gave an incredible presentation against censorship. Since I seem to be the only person addressing this committee today who has been a direct target of accusations from the presumably responsible PMRC, I would like to use this occasion to speak on a more personal note and show just how unfair the whole concept of lyrical interpretation and judgment can be and how many times this can amount to little more than character assassination. Uh, I remember that. Uh, they they uh, were expecting Dee Snyder to look like a brainless drug addict uh, like a degenerate, and he came off making Tipper Gore look like a stuffy conservative librarian lady uh, that was bitter and, and pretty much prejudicial. Uh, I remember that time so well because, of course, you know, 85, I was a rock and roller, hair down to the ground. So uh, I, I tripped out with the uh, censorship that we were going through back then. And uh, uh, I thought that back then uh, it was a, 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 the, one of the first forms of control, one of the first forms of uh, uh, our, our government uh, stepping into giving, uh, losing some of our freedom. And uh, I still bow down and have mad respect for, for Dee Snyder for stepping up and hitting a home run for all of music, all of us that are a little different, and all of us that uh, tend to want to push back a little bit you know what i mean now i'm not going to ask you if you like his music because i know you don't you probably definitely don't like the way they used to dress but you got to hand it to d snyder and the band phenomenal rock oh dude i i like d snyder's music you know what i mean i like twisted sister i was right in that era as a matter of fact two of the twisted sisters videos were filmed at my high school when i was uh going to high school then which uh, uh you know, which was story. it uh was it uh i want to rock yeah the swimming pool scene when it looks like they're on stage that was our auditorium as a matter of fact 
well, when they did the song, we're not going to take it. Yeah. I remember watching that guy jump off uh, the small balcony at Montebello High School. Uh, me and my homeboys, we got kicked out of the auditorium during that video because uh, we were yelling obscenities at, at D. Snyder when he was walking down. <laughs> of course. Uh, now, the, <laughs> now, why does that not surprise me, Chang? Well, why you know, does that not surprise do? me? Yeah, yeah, we were some crazy cats, man. Jeez. But it was all in fun. It was all jokes. You know, we were going, hey, what are you doing with football pads on you? Your hair <laughs> looks like my mom's beautician, uh, you know. I haven't seen bad makeup like that since I made out with a chola and an Al Camino. I mean, we were just bombarding the hell out of the dude, bro. But you know what? He was cool. He slapped high fives with us. He thought we were totally metal. He he thought that they shouldn't have kicked us out, you know, because we were bringing the riot to the party, bro. We were, yeah. They wanted kids to look like they were at a concert. Montebello High School gave them hell, my brother. That seems like it. On oh, December yeah. 23rd, now this is news up your alley because you're the one who's going to probably school us on the whole 411 on this next event. On December 23rd, Reno, Nevada, two young guys shot themselves in an apparent pact because of the lyrics of Judas Priest. Yes, I was going to bring that up, but I uh, I knew you were going to bring the story up. So it, it, it's, it's something, you, of course, you know, the Priest is my favorite band. Yep. Uh, the other funny thing is, you know what I, I feel about music. I think uh, comedy and music are the two entities uh, that bring uh, unity, uh, bring peace. Uh, they bring uh, composure and calmness. Uh, and uh, the funny thing is, like, when that scenario happens, with those parents coming out and trying to literally blame one band for the lyrics, rather than take responsibility for any of their shortcomings uh, that may have uh, enhanced uh, their child's dishappiness, disapproval of himself to where he would want to commit suicide. Uh, you know, that was also a very eye-opening and kind of a groundbreaking event in itself where that was the final hammer down on you cannot blame us in the music for what your children do. Do you remember back when, of course, even it goes back to when uh, D. Snyder was fighting against censorship, but to a certain extent, do you feel that, and this goes for every band, and, and it doesn't matter, it, it could be, it could even be rap, right? It could be anything. But music, we've talked about many times on the show, music is powerful. Music right. is universal. Music has the power to heal. But it also has the power to bring down. It's mm -hmm. just what it is. Do you think that these bands shouldn't accept any responsibility for contributing in any way? Hmm, wow, that's a that's a very difficult question, and I'm going to give you my answer like this. I feel that it is all the mindset of an individual that is going to kind of sway or transition his mind and likes into the music that is befitting his or her mindset at that present time. I think when it comes to a, a teenager, especially a young, fresh mind, which is like a sponge yeah. who does not have the wisdom or the uh, lively daily experiences, uh, the cold, hard facts of, okay, you either deal with it or don't. 
So a young mind is very impressionable, and a young mind can be impressioned by music, pornography, movies, news,、uh, actions within their own house,、uh, whether or not they were bullied or not,、uh, being denied by other、uh, people that are their age. So I, I, I will say that I do not blame the artists. They are creating、uh, a song. Which comes from an emotion that they themselves have experienced. That is the number one root which music kind of thrives in all of us because it's something that we can all relate to. So I think the young mind is very impressionable. So it the young mind gravitated to that song and the lyrics kind of touched a nerve to enhance. They're already questionable feelings of、yeah. what they were feeling insignificant or uncomfortable with prior. The other thing you have to maybe look at were these、uh, youth experimenting in alcohol or drugs.、Uh, were they having a hard time at home? Were they getting bullied? Were they getting denied? Were they feeling suppressed? So when an individual feels that way, of course they're going to cater. To something that soothes their pain. Sure,、uh, sure. You follow me? Yeah. So basically, I mean, there's tons of reasons why they did what they did, and why other youth、right. uh, happen to do that. And sometimes music can can be a, a certain factor in in something that they've already made their mind up to do.、Right. From the Chang's mind、mm-hmm. and heart to your ears. This is back to the '80s. When we come back, we've got music, movies. And back to the eighties. Oh yeah, and a whole lot more, kids. Come on back. Hey, my pals, Toscano and Chang went to school in the eighties, and that was cool. But now they're going back. That's right, and you can tag along with Back to the Eighties Radio. Hey, rockers and rollers, you are back with Slick Rick Jacobs. That's Judas Priest, and it's off of their latest album, 1983, Electric Eye. That's right, the electric eye in the sky is always looking at us. Another thing looking at us, Toscano and Chang. Are you aboard? Slick Rick Jacobs is out. This is Toscano from Toscano and Chang here. I'm back to the '80s, reminding you guys to visit our Facebook fan page. And Chang, I think we also have a Patreon page that you know I'd like people to know about. Yeah, that's right, my brother. Everybody out there, I know times are tough. Everybody's going through and, and feeling the squeeze. But we have this little thing called our Patreon page, and we're looking for donations, whatever you can, you know, to kick us in, help us、uh, prosper the show.、Uh, you know,、uh, we would like to come to you with live music, uh, uh, maybe some more tidbits. Heck, maybe we'll kick down some memorabilia. So this is what I'm offering you: hit us in our Patreon page. With whatever you can, and I guarantee we will get you an autograph from Toscano and Chang. That's right, your own autograph. Whatever you want signed, <laughs> we'll sign it. But remember, we're signing it in pencil. We don't have a lot of cash flow, so hit us on our Patreon page. And remember, always join us every Friday, and do what you got to do. We'd appreciate it. Help us, help you. We're talking about 1985, and now we turn the table because now we're going to be talking about 
some of the songs that made that year incredible. And Chang, I got to tell you, 1985 was was a pinnacle year in music history in the United yes, States agree. and abroad because some of the most famous bands from around the world brought some of the greatest hits that will forever go down in history. You can hear these musical masterpieces in movies from the 80s, from the 90s, from the 2000s. And you know what? In the future, when they do movies, you'll still hear these 80s songs in those movies because they were so transcendent. And so I want to talk a little bit about that. Like always, when we're talking about a certain year, I want to take the time and talk about Billboard's Hot 10 from Billboard. That's a go-to. We always have to go to, to Billboard or Rolling Stone. I mean, those were like the encyclopedias of concrete top 10, top 50, top 20, top 100. Correct, my brother? That's right. So let's kick it all off. 1985's Greatest Hits, starting at number 10, is a song by Norwegian synth pop band Aha, who also had, you know what, their video for the song Take On Me, which is the song that we're going to be talking about, was way ahead of its time. Nobody had ever seen a comic book come to life. And that's animated. Right. Kind of. uh, Yeah. And somebody from from real time go into the mirror and go into this comic book world or animated pencil drawn world. You, you know what that uh, that video reminds me of? And you ever uh, go down uh, somewhere, maybe the pier, or you go to a carnival, or you go to a street fair, and there's uh, people that draw characters. Yes, uh, the caricatures, right? Of you. Yes. That's what I think of whenever uh, I see that. I walk down the street, and I go, Take <laughs> on me, take me on. I'll be the... I can't carry the neck note. <laughs> that is an extremely, extremely difficult uh, a tone to carry. But it's a great song. Unfortunately, some radio stations, and I'm going to mention it, why not? Our Do dear it. Los Angeles radio station, K-Earth 101, seems to think that that's the only aha song that they have. Yes. And... I mean, don't get me wrong. I love it. I love Take On Me. But when you hear it every hour, I mean, come on. Let's let's but change it up. Not, is that not the whole entire reason why Los Angeles FM radio in a whole has died? It's not what it used to be. Yeah. And I'm, it, and I'm happy. Funny. You know, I'm happy that people from the 80s still, of course, we listen to that radio station. Right. But, you know, you, you, you got to add more songs to your repertoire. Oh, I agree. I agree. I, you know, I think uh, terrestrial radio has suffered from give me the same old, same old. It's like taking a ham sandwich to work every day for 25 years. Yeah. You know, you're not going to want ham sandwich. You know what? The only time you're going to want ham is on Christmas. I want a Christmas ham. And if you put it in a sandwich, I'm going to punch somebody in the face. And if I have to have Christmas ham sandwiches to New Year's, a lot of people are going to get punched in the face. So it's kind of like that's kind of what, uh, to me, terrestrial radio has become a format. It's not what it used to be. That's why I think uh, what we believe here at Back to the 80s, give it old radio, old school radio. Yeah. You know, enlighten and entertain. 
Absolutely. Falling into you know what I find funny really quick, my brother. You bring up K Earth. And man, I would if I could walk into the studio and punch you in the face, I would just slap you because you make me feel old. Because when I remember listening to <laughs> K Earth in Southern California. It was fifties oldies. Fifties, dude. Yes. Fifties and maybe sixties. It was a lot of Motown. You know what I mean? Uh, the Supremes, the Temptations, Otis Redding, uh, you know, it was uh, Jerry Lee Lewis and it was Elvis. Now you're telling me, aha, is on. Yeah. Can you believe Here, it? Uh, next thing you're they're, they're playing Quiet Riot and crap like that. That's What's correct. Up with That's Taylor, correct. Bro? They are playing all 80s music. Falling into number nine was from a song recorded for the movie... Vision Quest that was in, released on March 2nd, 1985. Yes, I hated that movie. And it was a song by Madonna called Crazy For You. Oh, that's right. And you got to admit, brother, I mean, come on, it was Madonna. And she was kicking out uh, pop hits left and right. Some were better than others. Some had some type of a, a better musical arrangement. Some went out there and just sounded like number two on the list that I'll I'll go over in a bit, but it's crazy. Either way, Madonna was a uh, she was a pioneer. Oh, I give I give you props on that. I give her credit and props on that. She was an innovator. Uh, how many other uh, artists have have come out and tried to replicate her? Uh, it seems like every time you seen something in the '90s, somebody was trying to do Madonna. You know, choreography with your dancing and uh, your singing and and trying to give you stage production. She definitely changed pop music to what we see nowadays. But, I mean, she was totally freaking hot. She was down tough, you know what I mean? She's kind of, you know, she meant business. She knew who she was. I give her a lot of props on that. She was sexual, which was like out of this freaking world sexuality she brought to pop music. And you got to remember, any person married to Sean Penn had to be tough. Oh, yeah, man. Sean Penn will knock you in the mouth. He'll put his beard down and go smack you upside the freaking head. So Madonna, she was kind of that chick, too. You know, when she came out with that sexy book, I was oh, like, yeah, yes. nice, man. Yeah. It's, I, I, I forgot all about when you had hair under your arms when those first pictures came out. But, <laughs> That's right. That's right. Hot, bro. Falling into number eight is a song by British rock band The Dire Straits, the second track uh, on their fifth album, which was Brothers in Arms from 1985. It was released... One of their greatest albums, by Yes, the it was released as the album's second single on the 24th of June, Vertigo Records, and the song was Money for Nothing. And Sting sang on that song. You know, that I, that I didn't know, but did you know that that song, there's no way that song would be written and accepted today? Oh, no. Because it no. says some things in the lyrics. I mean, you got to yeah. look it up. But, you know, we as as people who went through the 70s and 80s, uh, we don't get hurt by some of those things. But no, now we live in a society that gets hurt if you call them, you know, not nice. Oh, no, he just said I'm not nice. And, oh, my gosh, I have to sue him. Now yeah. I want to, you know, I, I need counseling because the person told me I was not nice. Yeah. Anyway. You know what's funny that we, yeah, we're talking about what we're talking about. And uh, <laughs> the thing with Dire Straits, that was a great album. My favorite song off that album was uh, So Far Away From You. I don't know if you've heard that album. That's a track out there that I think you should listen to. Anybody out there, if you want to check out that album, uh, that to me, that's a, a pretty good track. 
uh, that whole album, I think, is uh, pretty epic, groundbreaking. The styles that they change, you know, the Knopfler Brothers, totally awesome. Just as awesome as that is number seven. And number seven, I got a little surprise for everybody because it's a oh, song okay. written. It's a song written by English pop rock Tears for Fears. It was released on March eighteenth, nineteen eighty five, and it's Everybody Wants to Rule the World. And this is back to the eighties. When we come back, more music talk, Toscano and Chang.
That was Tears for Fears, Everybody Wants to Rule the World. This is Back to the 80s. Descano and Chang here with you. And, you know, it's very apropos with everything that's going on today, Chang. And it's amazing to me how so many songs and artists had the vision that were way ahead of their own time in the 80s. Oh, brother, I agree with you 100%. And and what's so uncanny and, and unresting to a certain degree is that song uh, speaks magnitudes of uh, kind of the uh, way we were going in the 80s in comparison to right now. Uh, everybody proclaiming self-entitlement. Uh, we had a big push in the homosexual community, the gay community was becoming a force to be uh, reckoned with. More people wanted to be recognized uh, and respected for being uh, gay. We had a lot of the uh, kind of uh, racial barriers starting to be lifted. Uh, you know, remember, w- with the wall getting torn down with, with Reagan, we started seeing a lot of pushback, uh, people wanting to be recognized for their individualism. Uh, we also uh, uh, started seeing... Uh, a pushback where people uh, in general wanted to be treated better in the workplace. Uh, That's, I guess, when we started getting into people wanted health care, the same kind of retirement. And it's very ironic because that song was kind of like the pillar of what we were going through at that time. And it speaks magnitudes because of now. Uh, Look at the ride that we have in uh, here in the States and amongst the world where generations are starting to uh, take place in wanting change and and self-entitlement. You see more forms of uh, kind of uh, racial groups, multi-racial groups. So we're seeing all this uh, change in the world and people demanding to be recognized and heard that we forgot that we are all one race, human race. So in this push for us to be self-entitled and, and, and be redeemed greater than any other is the decay. And it's odd that you bring up this song because if you think about it back in the eighties, we're in fast forward of the decay that we started back in the eighties. Yeah. I'll give it with that. With this that is, song, this is absolute continuation. It's like the eighties 2.0 on steroids yeah. mm-hmm. falling into number six. We got a song by American duo Holland Oates from their 12th studio album, Big Bam Boom, from 1984. The song, Out of Touch, was released as the lead single from that same album from RCA Records. And it was their last Billboard Hot 100 number one single that topped the charts. Out of Touch by Holland Oates. That was, they were a, uh, a pretty good band. Uh, I watch uh, Daryl's House. Uh, on uh, networks out here where he has uh, uh, you know other uh, musicians come in and they chow down and then they make music they basically uh, have a jam music. session yeah they got the chops man and Hall of Notes uh, if you listen to some of the albums or cassettes or CDs whatever you have material wise you're going to get into not only the pop culture hits that were put on the radio that gave them the success you're going to find a lot of uh Good tracks in there where it's a lot of rhythm and blues, a lot of soul, stuff like uh, the Everly Brothers. You, you, you know what I mean? Back into that realm. Uh, it, it's totally uh, way away from air supply. You know, oh, yeah. No, yeah. Nothing nothing to do with air supply. Although, don't get me wrong, air supply was a great band as well. But 
Hall of Notes, it's one of those. Uh, see, one of the biggest things they had in common was that the majority of the songs on their albums were hits. Yeah. Unlike many artists of, let's say, a different generation that we want to introduce the 80s to, that you get one hit and that's it. And then they disappear into thin air. That band, who knows, they start fading away, fizzling away. Yeah. You know what I do remember back in the 80s? There was a collaboration with such acts where we had the pop go into rock. We had the rock go in, uh, hand in hand with the, with the rap, the hip hop. Uh, we had the uh, kind of punk rockish uh, music intertwined with pop culture, pop music. So I think back in the 80s, it, it, it generated a lot of different styles, a lot of different textures and techniques because everybody was more open back then to work with each other. And music was so free. It was a, a, an expression. Yeah. And it, it kind of helped pave the way to all the colorful expressions we have in everyday life now. Yeah. Really. It was just so different. Falling yeah. into number five, I know you remember this one because it's a song written by Prince that originally appeared in his 1979 self-titled album, the most successful and best-known version was recorded by R&B singer Shaka Khan. I uh, feel great. for you. Shaka Khan, she was great. The chick had curves, she was sexy, those lips, just the way she could move, the way she could carry those strong notes, kind of gospel Aretha Franklin style, but with more uh, sex appeal, more naughtiness, you know what I mean? And it also Shaka won uh, two Grammy Awards for Best R&B Song. Yeah, it did. I mean, Prince, you can't go wrong with Prince. I mean, Prince probably, what, one of the greatest uh, guitar playing, greatest performers on stage, uh, greatest composers, uh, greatest writers. Yeah. The dude was phenomenal. Prince was the king. Yeah, all around complete full artist. Oh, yeah. It's a shame we don't have him nowadays. Yeah, I'm glad 2016 is long gone, but it was a shame that we lost so many in that year. Falling oh, into yeah. number four is a band that I know you will like because it's a power ballad by the British-American rock band Foreigner, and it was released also in late November 1984 as their fifth album, Agent Provocateur. The number one hit from this was I Want to Know What Love Is. And it was a number one hit in both the UK and in the US. I find this amazing that it was a hit in both the States and the UK. It was. Everybody loved it. I, yeah. I felt this is when Foreigner was like a foreigner. Get the hell out of oh, my Oh, come on. There doing? he is. There he is. You have softened up and become so weak. So I you're trying to tell me you didn't like that song? Yeah. Oh. Sorry. I knew it. I, I want to know what love is. It's a great song. I want, I want you to show me. Yes. I want you to show me the door to the <laughs> concert hall if I was attending and you played that song. Oh, uh, I, I don't have to put up with this aggression. I don't. Well, <laughs> that's not the kind of song that I'm going to hold my lover's hand and put a lighter up into the sky. That is a great song, my friend, and I'm sorry you don't like it, but it, falling into number two is a song that maybe, hey, I don't know, maybe you'll like this one better. Because okay. number two for for 1985 was a song recorded by Madonna for her second studio album, Like a Virgin, 
And in fact, the song was Like a Virgin. Oh, man, yes. I love this song. I love the video. I loved her in this era. I used to want to go to, I used to go to Hollywood looking for Juana Madonna. I used to cruise Whittier Boulevard just to get me a Juana Madonna. And the Juana Madonnas, oh, yeah, man, they'll share bubblegum with you if you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. You know what? I got to admit, though, although the song is a great song and the video and her, of course, but the beginning, the instrumentation they use, the, the arrangements, every time I hear it, I, there's something about it that I, it's just, yeah. it's got to go. It's got to go. No, I felt the same way about the the uh, musical content. My whole thing was like, wow, great lyrics and she's hot. <laughs> and that's it. Brother, and that's a, it. I was a sophomore. What do you think I was thinking? I was thinking through the head that has no brain. All right. So here we go with the number one song of 1985. Let's do it. From the pop ballad performance, this dynamic duo whom you claim to have their underwear careless whisper george michael and andrew ridgely wham it's from their album make it big by the way that was the number one song, 1985. Yeah, now, here it comes. They, here it comes. Go ahead. What were they referring to? Exactly. When they decided to call it Make It Big. Well, I think they were referring to their career. To Wham, making, bam, making thank it. Thank you, Sam or ma'am. <laughs> what would you say in that scenario? Choose life. My testicles sit in shoes. Because, yes, I did make myself some skibby wibbies out of a Choose Life shirt that a girl left in my bedroom when she left me abruptly through the window. Choose life. And I will say nothing but mad respect for the late, great George Michael. But no thank you, ma'am or Sam, when it comes to wham. Toscano, I'm afraid that you probably still wear a midriff cutoff Choose Life shirt. And you probably wear, I'd say, some attractive golfing white shorts. Yeah. With white booty socks with ball fuzzies on the back and they're pink mm. and your belt is made of nylon like a stretch belt with the same color as your booties yes and i want to say that the lettering on your white golfer cap is also pink and your wife is dressed in a pink ensemble similar to yours <laughs> that's what i think ah the hater in you you know what, Toscano, we brought up uh, the fact of uh, Live Aid. And uh, you know what? What more fitting way to remember that day than to hear a song from a great band that day that totally took control of the audience and its claim to be number one in rock and roll. A band no other than The Queen with the late, great Freddie Mercury. Ladies and gentlemen, put your ears to the box and take in. Freddie Mercury with Radio Gaga. Back to the 80s. I sit on and watch your my only friend who cheated and died with fear. 
Back to the 80s, that was Queen Radio Gaga live at Live Aid back in 1985. We've been discussing that and other things here at Back to the 80s. Chang here, Toscano, I think it's getting about that time of the day where we have to go on our way. Am I correct? Yeah, unfortunately, you know, we didn't have time to cover every single thing. So this 1985 has turned into 1985 Part 1. Next Friday, tune in to 1985 Part 2. This week, we wrote a post that asked everybody to go ahead and give us some show ideas. And I do want to let you know that Beverly Blevins Staley said that she would like to hear a show on everything Duran Duran. So, Beverly, we're going to do our best to bring you some information on Duran Duran. Um, I, I'm hoping, I know I wrote to you and said that next week, but I re- didn't realize that we weren't going to have so much time to do 1985. So stick with us because Back to the 80s has a lot more. As a matter of fact, we have a very famous athlete from the Olympics that's going to be joining us by phone. Uh, He called this morning and said, you know what? I listen to Back to the 80s all the time and I want to be on the show. And I said, well, okay, uh, sure, why not? I hope he's not waterlogged. Well, he was born in 1985. So that's what we're going to bring him in. He is an 80s baby. And uh, we're going to hear from him live next Friday. From everybody here, production and Toscano and Chang, I am Toscano from Back to the 80s, thanking you guys so much from the bottom of my heart for joining us since the start of lockdown last year, 2020, to the beginning of 2021. Thanks for sticking with us. I want to keep reminding you guys, go to our Facebook page. If you are a follower of, of our Facebook page, go ahead and listen to the show. We'd love to have you with us as a patron and as a fellow member of Back to the 80s. So take care, be safe, and we'll see you next Friday. God bless. Chang here, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, cats and kitties. Before I release you into another glorious weekend, no matter what kind of a lockdown or heck down that we're going through, stay lifted and gifted. Stay positive. Keep a smile on your face. Do something bigger than yourself. We are one race, a human race. And if there is anything that we can do for you, you need a smile, go back to the show and listen again. So till next week, this is a Chang saying, adios, arrivederci, hasta mañana, and to all my homies in the hood, orado. Take me back.